<laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to the Eight Figure Attorney Podcast. I'm Seth Bader, and I have a very special guest today for my very first episode. He is an eight-figure attorney. He is an eight-figure business owner. He is an eight-figure consultant. He's my business partner, and uh, he is Luis Scott. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I, it seems like I have to add a lot of value. I have to. You said eight figures so many times. I'm like, I'm gonna have to bring eight figures of value right now. So it's you, a lot of pressure. Well, but you know, you're an eight-figure attorney, so I'm expecting that. Oh uh, well, you'll deliver. You always <laughs> let's do. See what happens. Always do. Let's start with uh, who you are and. How we know each other. I mean, you are now the managing partner of our law firm, Bader Scott Injury Lawyers. You are the founder, you're a partner of Eight Figure Firm. Just tell, tell me, tell the folks just a little bit about yourself. Now, should I tell the story that's going to make people cry or should I tell the, just the, the basic business story? Oh, people people like emotion. They want the, they want the crier story? They want the crier story. No, I, so essentially, uh, you know, we met at a networking event. Uh, at the Hall of Fame, the football uh, NCAA Hall of Fame, and we met there. And I always joke because uh, I'm not really good at networking, so uh, I always try to sit down first. And there happened to be one seat there, and you may not even remember this. You came in fashionably late. You came, showed up right after the networking part, and you sat down. You introduced yourself to me, and I was like, "Oh, wow! I knew this guy from from uh, working together in the industry, but I didn't really, you know, had, I had never met you." And uh, we talked, we hit it off, we exchanged numbers, and literally from that day on, we were just talking all the time, just like, just you know, texting each other strategies and stuff like that, and it just kind of took off. So, well, well tell me, but you said you said you're gonna make people cry. Well, I didn't, I didn't tell the full ju juicy story. I, I was just give them the. Just give them the uh... So there's a background to this story, mm -hmm. and that is, I was during that time period of my life, like I was trying to figure out my identity. So I was trying to figure out who I was. Uh, as a person, as a business owner, um, a, a, as an entrepreneur, as a professional. And, uh, you know, I, I come from a, a religious background. My dad's a pastor. And so I had been saying this prayer over and over. It was a one-line prayer. And, and, and it was that God would let me meet the person who would change my life. And I was saying that prayer over and over and over. And on the day that I met you, it was a Wednesday. I remember specifically Wednesday in March. I parked my car and I didn't want to be there because I just didn't like networking and I said God today I'm gonna to meet the person that's gonna change my life and that's the day I met you so that's like the that's I'm, like I'm, the, I'm gonna cry <laughs> this is uncomfortable well you know I, I, I try not to get all um, uh, you know so emotional about it but it was a very impactful thing for me mm -hmm. because very rarely do you meet somebody who really changes the course of your life now it didn't happen like instantaneously Obviously, we didn't start working together for over, I think, almost two and a half years later. But now I look back, and you can always connect the dots looking backwards. Now I look back and I go, wow, that was like a pivotal moment in my life. Like meeting you, we became friends. Now we're business partners. We have multiple seven-figure businesses, an eight-figure business. Like it's, I, I could have never scripted that life. And so I, I know that that was like a pivotal moment in my life. So it was, I don't know, it was, it was special to me. So I always, I always keep that moment, you know. It was, it was a big moment, certainly a big turning point for me. And uh, as you mentioned, it, it, we didn't start working together, uh, at least in the same business for a few years, but you joined the firm in 2018. Actually, we're coming up on our three-year anniversary. Yeah. So, so congrats to us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, in just three short years, really, it actually happened in, in, in the first year. Mm -hmm. We went from a seven-figure business mm -hmm. to an eight-figure business. Yeah. 
and this is the Eight Figure Attorney Podcast. I mean, why don't you talk a little bit about what you recall coming into the business when it was a, it was a very high seven figure business, high, high, you know, seven figure law firm, already relatively successful. Um, but then what you saw in terms of the opportunity and and how you were able to help me and the rest of the firm transform from a seven figure business to an eight figure business in just one short year. And now, of course, uh, the firm has nearly doubled, if not tripled, uh, during the last three years. So talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that people don't really um, uh, notice when they're in the, the weeds, because I think when I came on, you were in the weeds, you know, being the lawyer, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are, are the lawyer, they're the rainmaker, they're the intake, they're the call, they're the 24 hours. They don't realize that that delegation is actually the key to scaling. Mm. And what I saw was uh, someone who, who was really was really uh, subsidizing everyone else mm. by doing so many things. And I think even when we work with the clients on a consulting capacity, what they're doing is they're subsidizing everyone else. So they're saying, I'm making a lot of money, but I'm also doing the job for five or six people. And you, that's not scalable. And so that's what I saw coming in was very successful business, but it was an unscalable business. And so we had to transition that into a scalable business through hiring people, developing better systems, keeping the marketing going, which, you know, is constantly a struggle. We, we were even talking about that this morning, you know, having the right people, another topic that we had, having people that are actually skilled at doing the work. And so that's what I saw. And I think that when we come in from a consulting capacity into law firms, that's exactly what we see is people who are stretched so thin that they can't scale their business. They can grow, but they can't scale. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, you know, going back, uh, you came in. I remember one of the first conversations we had. You said, "Seth, um, you know, you, we've got 25, 28 employees. A year from now, we're going to have 100." Yeah. Like, how did you know that? And, and it actually happened. Um, and, and with with the the growth uh, and the addition of all of these incredible team members, the firm actually grew uh, s s significantly. So I'm just curious, how did you know that? How did you have the vision and the foresight to know how many people we needed? And, and then and have the confidence to make that investment because I know a lot of law firm owners and certainly a lot of business owners are afraid to do that. Yeah, well I think what, what happened is that you already had great lead, vo lead volume and mm -hmm. so lead volume is like, it's an indicator for growth. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is when you see good lead volume and you already see a pretty decent established brand, you can predict what's called the net new. So this is the score that I tried to work on when I work with, with people is, what is the net new? How many are you settling versus how many are you bringing in? And at the time I, I came in, the net new was very high. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that if we could systematize some things, grow the net new, there was nowhere else to go but to continue to hire people. And so that was what I saw, it was the net new score. And I think at the time, uh, which is amazing to think about, we were bringing in probably 150 new cases a month and we were settling like 70. And so that's a huge net. We were doubling the size of the business without bringing on the people. Because of course, what I mentioned about you is you were subsidizing a lot of the workers. You, you needed to get out of, out of the, some of the more administrative tasks to bring it in. And then once we systematized it, it, we went from 150 to the peak of 400 signups a month. And that really changed everything. Yeah. But let's talk about growth mm -hmm. and, and what it takes. A lot of times people uh, don't realize that before you can actually grow, before you can start hiring people, before you can uh, you know, change your marketing or uh, change your systems, mm -hmm. it really starts with your mind. Yeah. So, so talk a, a little bit about mindset. What is, yeah. 
what is the mindset of an eight-figure attorney? Yeah. I mean, because like I know, but but I want to hear from your perspective and you know how do you cultivate an eight-figure mindset for yourself and for others? That that is a really really good question because uh, just working with people, whether it's working with a client or even working with a consulting client mm-hmm. on another law firm, mm-hmm. mindset's everything. And a lot of people think that it's the mechanics, it's the it's the doing, and it's not really even the doing. It's the the willingness to do. Mm-hmm. It's the the ability to say, this is this the right decision. I'm going to do it, even though it scares the mess out of me. And I think a lot of people are just scared to, to take the leaps. Um, recently, I was with uh, Rachel at the lake, and there's this big structure. And on the structure, like uh, you can go up on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she wanted me to go on the rooftop and jump off this thing. It's like 25 feet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are absolutely crazy. I'm not going to jump off that. But I said, I'll walk up there. So I had the courage to walk all the way up. And then we got over to the banister and I stood there and it took seven and a half minutes. They recorded the whole thing. It was seven and a half minutes for me to jump off this thing. And finally I jumped, no big deal. There was no problem. But people become paralyzed with the jump. Mm. They become paralyzed with the concept of, if I want to grow my business, I got to hire more people. They become paralyzed with the concept of, I need to spend more money in marketing. They become paralyzed with, I need to spend more money in resources. And so I think the mindset is one of, it's going to be fear. It's not a linear increase in your business. It's 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 plateau, then scale up, plateau, then scale up, plateau. But you have to be willing to go through that mentally. And it is a mind drain because you're dealing not only with your mental state, but the mental state of all the people you're hiring. And so I think that that's the mindset of an eight-figure uh, law firm or an eight-figure attorney. Um, for me, uh, to develop that, it's taken a lot of books, taken a lot of courses. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. You really introduced me into the masterminding game like i had never been to a mastermind until we started working together but just that to me has been instrumental because you get to be around other people who have similar mindsets so reading associating going to masterminds consulting all that has been you know pivotal uh you you, you've talked to me a lot about reading you just mentioned it now what's the connection between reading a book that might cost you 10 or 15 20 dollars or reading several books and then exploding uh, into to having an eight-figure uh, business or multiple eight-figure businesses. So this is what I'm about to say is like probably really controversial because I've heard different things. I've had consultants tell me that it's crazy what I do. And if you read, if you watch uh, Dan Pena, he's he's like a, the billion-dollar guy. I, I don't know. Uh, he, he's a motivational speaker. He says there's no reason to read books. Just go out and implement and execute. I think that unfortunately a lot of people don't have the mindset and they need to develop the mindset. So for me reading a lot i try to read at least 30 books a year but i've read 50 books plus on multiple occasions what it does is it develops discipline and then it just buries the you can do it into your subconscious mm. now you still have to jump off the ledge it's not just i can do it i can do it i can do it i can do it standing there forever it's i can do it i can do it and then i actually do it and so uh how many books do you have to read or how long do you have to read I always say, until you do it, you just got to keep doing it. Uh, Because I've never met anyone who has a problem executing that just starts executing without some kind of catalyst. And I believe reading can be that catalyst for you because it builds that discipline, it gives you that knowledge, and it gives you that belief. So is is there any specific book or author that you feel has really profoundly impacted you in that regard and really given you that confidence to take that leap? Yeah, I mean... I, there, I read so much. Yeah. There's, I, I don't know. I think it's like a, a combination mm-hmm. of, of books. You know, I think about it like math. Um, you know math, right? But it, do you remember 
what was the instructor that changed your life when it comes to math. It's sure. really, really hard. But when it comes to uh, leadership, which I think is the, like the, the pre prerequisite for really scaling your business is having strong leadership. Mm -hmm. I'd say John Maxwell is one of my favorites. And he has something called the law of the lid where he talks about how you're only gonna grow to the level of your lid, like whatever that is. And so I'm always like, I'm scared I'm gonna reach my lid. So I'm constantly reading. So I make sure I never reach my lid. I, I wanna constantly be growing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about vision. Because mm. I think there is a connection between mindset, mm. growth, and vision. You can't really, you got to have the right mindset. But if you don't have the vision for where you're yeah. heading, you know, it's really hard to actually arrive at the destination because you don't even know where you want to go. Right. So, like, talk about vision for you, either personally or in the context of either one of the businesses that we, that we own together. The, the, the interesting thing about vision, and I, I also learned this working with you, was I didn't have a lot of vision. I was just very ambitious. And there's a difference between vision and ambition. Like, vision is being able to see the future. I have a hard time. I have a, interestingly enough, with all the planning that I do, I have a hard time seeing the future for what it's like. I could have never envisioned the iPhone, but now that I see the iPhone, I can envision all the things that the iPhone can do. And that that's the difference between ambition. Like, I can take an iPhone and create a bunch of things out of it because of ambition, but I could have never envisioned mm. the iPhone. And I think that that if you are like me, you have to be with someone who is a visionary, who can see the unseen, who can see things. And that's what I think, that's why our partnership really works because you're much more visionary in that regard. You're also ambitious, but you're, you're much more visionary. Like you see things and sometimes I'm like, dang, I would have never even thought of that. Like it's it's very strange. Like I, I wouldn't have thought about it because I don't have that vision for it. Sure. But I have really strong ambition. But vision is crucial. And you know, uh, not not to get biblical, but the book I read uh, it says that without vision people perish. And so I think that we perish either whether it's in our careers, our businesses, our entrepreneurship, whatever it is, we perish because we have no vision. And so once I realized how important vision was, I, I realized that. I may not be a visionary for the business, but I could have a vision for my own life. So I set a personal vision statement, which was to lead a life of significance. Mm -hmm. And I started kind of developing, like, what does that even mean to me? What does it mean to be significant? Um, and for me, it was leaving impact, creating more from just my life than just what I could gain for myself. And so that's what, what really excites me about what we do as a law firm, because as a law firm, we're impacting thousands of people every year every single year thousands of people and now with consulting we not only influence the thousand we influence but we influence the thousands they influence by influencing them so it's kind of like a perpetual cycle of influence and so that came that was derived from that personal vision statement and i think you cannot be an eight-figure law firm and, and i don't mean settling a case that that generates eight, eight figure revenues you can't be a consistent reliable predictable eight-figure law firm without vision I agree. <laughs> Talk to me about how you help other law firms through eight-figure firm consulting to develop their vision and and, and to sort of um, grow from either six-figure to seven-figure, seven-figure to eight-figure business. I mean, because a lot of them, t tell me what kind of the challenges they have either with vision or just in general. What are the pain points? What are the challenges that you see other lawyers and other law firm owners encountering that are preventing them from growing? I think when it comes to the vision in particular is that they, they are not, they can't see the future. Mm. In their mind, they're so focused on doing the lawyer job 
that they, they have a hard time sitting down and saying, this is actually what I want 18, 36 months from now. And you remember when you wrote The Vivid Vision, it was an exercise, like it takes, it's not like you just sit down and put pen to paper and it comes to you. You have to actually think about what is it that I'm trying to create for my marketing, for my employees, for the brand, for the message, uh, what are the benefits, what, what, what is the organizational structure gonna look like? And so I think the biggest pain point is that people don't don't take the time to do it because they feel like they don't have the time. So that's number one. The second thing is a lot of people, they believe that their vision is to create money. And so they're like, my vision is to just have money and have a house and have a car and this. And when you really get down to it, what they're actually saying is I want a lifestyle. I want better quality of life. Well, what is it going to take to develop that quality of life? That's what you have to ask. Like, what do you have to do to create that quality of life? And that's one of the reasons I love uh, the vision of one of our consulting clients, which is they want to help uh, essentially create a billion dollars worth of impact through nonprofits. And so it's a nonprofit lawyer. Uh, they want to help generate a billion dollars. I mean, that's a big vision mm -hmm. to do that. And when you do that, eventually your life becomes what you want it to be. But if you're only chasing the money, then eventually you get tired, you get burned out. And so I think those are the biggest pain points. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so glad you're talking about this. I don't think I know this because we talk yeah. too much. Uh, I mean, our <laughs> wives are like, get off the phone, yeah. right? Well, we talk all the time. So I know how important impacting other people is, particularly our uh, the members of our team uh, at the firm, our clients, and then of course now with the consulting clients. I know how important it is to you to impact and other people in a positive way and change their life to empower them to transform them but why don't you talk just a little bit about that because essentially what you're saying is that the vision should not be uh, uh, about money it should not be about material gain it should be about impact so just talk a little bit about impact I think that that impact is the ripple effect you know recently I was talking to um, Bernie who's our my executive assistant and I was telling him that a lot of times what as leaders what we want is recognition and you know i've sent you a lot of text messages about this how sometimes it feels like you don't get the recognition either mm -hmm. you or me or, or us collectively don't get the recognition but if we chase recognition we're, we will always be dissatisfied with our contribution but if we chase impact it's like when you throw a rock in the lake the ripples that are feeling the impact of the stone did not get touched by the stone personally Right? They, right. They, there was no part of the stone that touched the entire lake, but the entire lake can feel the ripple effect. And so impact is what are you going to do as an individual, whether personally, professionally, in your business, in your community, that is going to touch people who never actually met you or mm -hmm. felt you. That's what impact's all about. So what's your law firm going to do that's going to create a ripple effect for years to come? You know, I love the movie, The Gladiator, and, and in there he says, may what you do today echo in eternity. Like to me, that's impact. And so when you develop a vision like that, that echoes in eternity, you know, when we built our partnership agreement, we even talked about our kids, because we have young kids, mm -hmm. they're, they're both eight years old. And we talked about, well, I have a 10 year old also, but they were younger when we did the partnership agreement. What if they become lawyers? Mm -hmm. What if they want to become part of this legacy? Like, that's a ripple effect that comes from what we're doing today, right? They're experiencing. So that's, to me, that's what impact's all about. When you become a lawyer that is more focused on the ripple effect than on the actual immediate 
gratification, then you'll have an impact that lasts forever. And you've already started to have an immediate impact on other lawyers and other law firm owners. And of course, that impact will extend really for years to come. What are the, the lawyers that, you, that you're working with as a consultant? What are you doing and, and, and what, what changes are they making you know, on the whole when you look at all your clients that is really leading them uh, to much greater success? And I know that you've, you've been working with some just for a few months and they've already seen some immediate uh, improvement uh, and dramatic improvement. You have the unique benefit uh, of working with law firm owners from around the country in different size practices, different areas of the law. What are you seeing and what are you doing? What are they, really not what are you doing, but what are they doing with your help that is dramatically improving their businesses? So it, it's, it's interesting because I, I say this word so much when I'm on these calls and it's top line revenue. Mm-hmm. Top, like the owner's responsibility is top line revenue. That's it. And it, it actually comes from conversations we've had where you say, you know, if you get the cases, everything else works out. That's what I'm talking about, top line revenue. And what happens is that many times, whether the firm is one million, two million, three million, I even I've worked with a firm that's five, six million, they're not focused on top line revenue. They're they're worried about everything else. They're worried about whether the the the, the HR is running correctly, or they're worried about whether their secretary is answering the phone, or they're worried about other things because they're fearful of having to be responsible for top line revenue. Where I think we've succeeded is that we are always focused on top line. We're always focused on the sales conversion. We're always focused on the market. Like those are predominant things in our conversations, but it's not the case with other firms. You would be surprised, or maybe you're not surprised because I like we talk, but many people would be surprised that many law firms do not focus on client generation. They they're, they're worried about everything else their reputation, their cases, their people, everything other than top line revenue. And the, all those other things are actually impacted by focusing on top line revenue. So the first thing I do is I try to figure out whether they're actually, they have a top line re- revenue focus. When they don't, I work with them to develop that mindset. And once they develop that mindset, everything changes. And so I had a client who was not focused on top line revenue and experienced a 5x return in 90 days. Because as soon as he started seeing, all I have to do is worry about the, the top top line, then I can pay for all the other people to do good work. No question. And so that's why people are experiencing such rapid growth initially is because once you get them on that track, everything changes. And, and of course, you're not talking about um, focusing on top line revenue to the exclusion of say client right. service or, or uh, uh, communication or leadership or, you know, any or training. I mean, but explain, I mean, explain how it is you can focus on top line revenue and also still maintain a focus on all the other important things in the business, the operations, uh, the, the sales, uh, the culture. Well, one of the things you have to do is you have to ask yourself, where can you leverage people mm-hmm. for your benefit? So one of the things that I see is that the person will be spending a lot of time on administrative tasks, right? Why not hire a VA for that? Why not hire an executive assistant to help you with, with admin tasks? You know, one of the lawyers that I that I helped them hire an executive assistant, within 90 days, they were they were freeing up 10 hours a week just to be able to focus on top line revenue. So now they were still getting everything done by hiring an employee and they were freeing up 40 hours a month. Now they could either grow their business with the 40 hours or they could be at home for the 40 hours. They chose to grow their business. And so you don't exclude the other things, you just find solutions to everything else. You focus on the top line revenue. And so 
for me, yes, and we've talked about inefficiencies in the business because no business is 100% efficient. I see the inefficiencies. I see where we're missing things. But I want to stay focused on that top line. If I can keep bringing it in, we can hire the consultants. We can hire the people. We can hire better people. We can train people. We can create better customer journeys for our client. And so, but but nobody else is going to do top line because nobody else cares about the business like the owner. That's true. And so the owner has to focus on top line. Let's talk about the people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get the cases in and you generate the revenue, like you said, you can you can hire really good people. And we've, I think both of us take a lot of pride in the, the people that we've hired, the team members, and the, the, the team members that we've helped to grow and to elevate into, into leadership roles. You know, not everybody knows uh, about, you know, your thoughts on, on the people and the leaders that we have. But like, talk about people. Talk about your commitment and, and, and to, to growing and developing leaders and other people within our organization and generally the value uh, of, of all business owners helping you know to develop other leaders in our business of course one of our core values is to lead with heart and lead through service and leading through service is really about serving leadership it's about you know really getting in there and helping to develop and to grow other people mm-hmm. just talk about your sort of ideas and commitment uh, to developing others and the amazing people that we have in our organization. So he, the thing about leadership is that I've, I've always known leadership was important. Um, my dad was not a business owner. I mentioned earlier he was a pastor, but he had grown several churches to thousands of people in the past. And one of the things that I learned from him was that leadership was probably the most important factor in growing your people. And so I knew we needed to put an emphasis on leadership. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have probably experienced like the trials with, with going to conferences because of COVID, um, which is, it's amazing that this happened over a year ago, but the, the leadership game is all about helping people develop their skills and their confidence. And that's something that I heard recently, which is you have to help them on two ladders, the skills ladder and the confidence ladder. And because if one's failing, then the person fails holistically. Mm-hmm. And so we've put in our firm uh, an emphasis on leadership but leadership requires the person to want to be led. They want, they requires the person to want to grow. And so what you're looking for is you're looking for people that are hungry and that want to grow and then you invest in them. And so we uh, pay for our leaders to go to conference. We send them to leadership training locally. We uh, have a book allowance for them because obviously books are important. We do quarterly meetings. And so we do everything we possibly can to develop leaders, but that the leader has to want it for themselves like you can't want it more than they want it and so i think that if you want to grow your organization finding leaders can really expedite your growth and the efficiency of the organization no question i mean you you essentially are alluding to the importance of personal uh, investing in your personal and professional growth i mean um, like we do that for uh, many of our uh, team members and um, and and s- several of them are starting to invest in themselves. You know, when we went skiing for the very first time, it was this year, which could have been a catastrophe because I was not going to do ski lessons. I thought these guys look—they're making it look super easy, so it's got to be easy, right? <laughs> and um, so I go, I go there. We decided to do ski lessons. It was very complicated. I don't think we would have survived on the mountain without the ski lessons. Yet, you have all these lawyers building and running law firms, and they've done taken no classes. No lessons, no business lessons, no books. They're, they're just doing it by experience. And 
why learn that way? Just invest in yourself, invest in your personal growth, invest in your personal growth, your professional growth, just like you do for skiing, for the piano, for your gym, for your trainer. And it's going to expedite all of the things that you would have had to learn on your own. And so to me, if you can invest in anything, invest in personal growth. No question. And of course, one way that lawyers and law firm owners can invest in themselves is, is to connect with you at a figure firm. How can, how can other lawyers, law firm owners around the country that want to learn how to scale uh, their law firm into an eight-figure firm, uh, how can they connect with you? So they can uh, reach me at uh, Luis at eightfigurefirm.com if they want to reach me directly. They can also go to eightfigurefirm.com where we have a bunch of resources. There's probably two or three dozen videos on how to build your law firm. There's an ebook. It's called The Eight Figure Firm, The Nine Principles of Exponential Growth. Uh, it walks people through the three pillars of growth, uh, which is you know setting the, the formation, the intention, and the transformation. Um, and it walks you through what you have to do. And they can access our, our online course, which by the airing of this episode, hopefully will be online. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. This is amazing. It's a, truly, it's a, it's an honor to be your business partner and, and your friend. And I'm really grateful that you came on to my very first episode of the Eight Figure Attorney Podcast. Uh, you know, there's so many uh, lawyers out there, and not, not not that many eight figure attorneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be able to be a partner with one of them is is truly an honor, and I'm I'm really excited uh, to have had you, and uh, really excited for our future. Uh, speaking of our future, what, what's in our future? I mean, you said you got to have that vision. What do you, what do you, what do you uh, anticipate? Well, here's the thing. I, I said I don't have a lot of vision. I have a lot of ambition. My ambition says yes. that we want to have a billion dollar firm, mm. and so our, my goal is to have a billion dollar firm. The next step is nine figures, and so we may be changing this to the nine figure lawyer podcast soon. But for now, <laughs> so, we're we're uh, we're we're getting there, and so uh, I anticipate in the next five years we'll reach nine figures in, in revenue. So I'm super pumped about you know just striving towards that that mark. Just keep it going. Well, Luis, the, the future nine figure attorney. Thanks again, and uh, looking forward to uh, continuing to grow both of our businesses together. So right. thank you. Thanks for having me. See you.